You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. When Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 70. Today's reading is from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel, to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. About a year ago, as we entered into Great Lent, we discussed how the church reverts back to more ancient practices and customs. And we see the daily readings are appointed from the Old Testament during that time. And I'd encourage our listeners to go back to episode 20 to hear what was said, if they've not already, or, or for a quick refresher. But today's reading is the first time we have specifically discussed Proverbs. Uh, so, Father, I'd ask if you would begin today by giving us an overview uh, and some context for this book from the wisdom literature. Sure. And, and like you said, we invite our listeners to go back to episode 20 if they wish to hear more about our reverting back to the more ancient practices and customs, as you mentioned. And just to give a couple of points on that quickly, like you said, Jason, this is why in Lent our daily readings go back to the Old Testament, where the story that leads up to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, begins. But we also see this in our liturgical practice. So, for example, the liturgy of St. Basil is used on the Sundays of Lent, not because it's longer, as some people think, but because it's more ancient than the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. And the pre-sanctified liturgy we celebrate on Wednesdays, and in the Russian tradition, who does not celebrate the Akathist except for on the fifth Friday of Lent, they also celebrate pre-sanctified on Friday. These were the liturgies uh, that used to be celebrated on every Wednesday or Friday on the fast days, but later the church moved towards the regular liturgy even on those days. So yes, during the season of Lent, we tend to revert back to the basics, revert back to the more ancient practices. 
Now, in terms of the Proverbs that you mentioned and from which you read today, I would begin by noting there are three different series of books in the Old Testament. And what are those three, Father? You have what is called the Torah, which is the first book. This would be the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And these books are often referred to among Christians as the Pentateuch, which means five scrolls in the Greek, and comes from the Septuagint translation, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. And that translation, or the translators, also used the Greek word nomos to describe the books, meaning the law. Because in these books, we have given what is referred to as the Mosaic Law. And so when we hear the New Testament authors like Paul refer to, quote, the law, he's referring to these first five books. And then sometimes specifically within those books, the Mosaic Law itself. Because notice how, for example, the book of Genesis does not actually contain any of the law given to Moses on Sinai. Okay, very helpful, Father. So what does that name Torah mean? Uh, is it the same meaning just in Hebrew instead of Greek? Uh, no, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because Torah has a different meaning. I think it's important we understand that, actually. Torah, which, as you noted, is a Hebrew word, means instruction or teaching. And so, while there's nothing wrong with the term Pentateuch and nothing wrong with the term nomos or law or mosaic law, it is extremely important, in my opinion, that we also realize that the Torah, these first five books, are an instruction and teaching. And why do you think that that's important? Yeah, great question. The reason it's so important is because of what St. Paul highlights in his epistle to the Romans. Paul makes this argument that righteousness is not found through the law, but before the law, and thus outside the law, which is when and how Abraham in the Torah, in the book of Genesis, was deemed righteous by God when he, Abraham, put his faith, put his trust in God. And so Paul's opponents, or naysayers, said, then what's the purpose of the law? And Paul's answer in Romans is, it's the Torah, it's for your instruction. It's to teach you what is right and what is wrong. But it's not how you obtain righteousness. It's not to be idolized. It's simply Torah, teaching, instruction. It's important, but it's teaching and instruction. So that's why I think this is an important and key point for us to remember as Christians. Good. Very helpful. So the first series of books in the Old Testament is the Torah. Mm -hmm. And so what's the second? Would that be uh, the Psalms and Proverbs? Well, that's a good guess because in today's Christian Bibles, that series of books is what comes next. But in the Hebrew Bible, this is not the case. You see, in, in Christian Bibles, we've actually moved or inverted the second and third series of books. The second series of books is actually the prophets. But because of their prophecies of the Messiah, the Christian Bible places them last, right before they go to the New Testament. So there is this transition from the prophecy, uh, prophecies, I should say, of the Messiah to the birth and life of the Messiah in the New Testament in the Gospels. But in the Hebrew Bible, it was actually the prophetic books that were second. That's interesting. And what books are included then in the prophets? Well, within the prophets, you have two subsections. The first referred to as the former prophets, meaning the earlier prophets. And these would be referred to as the narrative books, meaning they're telling more of a story. So the books of Joshua through Kings. Then you have the latter prophets, the major ones being Isaiah, 
Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, followed by what are referred to as the twelve minor prophets. So Isaiah through Malachi are the latter prophets. But the prophets as a whole, you have Joshua through Malachi. And that, again, in the Hebrew Bible, is the second set of books. So you have the Torah followed by the prophets. Okay. So I guess then that Proverbs must be in this third section then. <laughs> yep, that's correct. Uh, by the process of elimination, we, we got to that. So, yes, in the Hebrew, this series of books is referred to as the Ketuvim, meaning the writings. And like the prophets, the second series of books has two subsections. So in this third series of books, the writings, the Ketuvim, has three subsections. And what are those three? The most prominent or well-known books in this series are referred to as the poetic books, or as you referred to it earlier, as the wisdom literature. And they are the Psalms, the Proverbs, and the Book of Job. Then you have the five books, or the five scrolls, the Song of Songs, Ruth, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, and Esther. And then finally you have the other books, sort of like miscellaneous, uh, Daniel, Ezra, Nehemiah, and then First and Second Chronicles. Now as I said, the wisdom or poetic books are the most well-known, and really one of the things these books do is invite in the Gentiles. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, how, how is that so? Well, the idea or concept of wisdom was an important aspect of Hellenistic philosophy, which, of course, was uh, predominant in the area where the Jews found themselves at the time of the writing of those books. It was referred to, wisdom was referred to as Sophia from the Greek. And the basic theme that runs throughout the book of the Proverbs is one that we heard today as you read from the opening of that book from the first chapter and then beyond. And specifically, the notion that true wisdom, true Sophia, is found not in the pursuit of human philosophy, as it would have been thought in the Hellenistic schools. It's not found through the human ego, but it's found through the pursuit of God's Torah, the pursuit of God's teaching and instruction. And let me just highlight that by reading again the opening verses of Proverbs we heard you read earlier. And I'm quoting here, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom, in other words, Sophia, to know wisdom and instruction, Torah, to perceive the words of understanding, again, Torah, to receive the instruction, to receive the Torah of Sophia, of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. And notice how I emphasize that word to receive. In other words, the book of Proverbs is openly contending against Hellenistic philosophy, against the notion that one obtains or pursues after wisdom, and contradicts that by noting that true wisdom, true Sophia, is received from God. And how is that received? Well, obviously, through the biblical teaching of which Proverbs is but one book. Thank you, Father. That's, that's very powerful when you explain it that way. And I find it interesting to learn this context and to see what the Bible was doing in its own time and just how radical it really was. Well, we're running short on time, uh, but that's okay. It's Lent and... We're trying to be more purposeful in our <laughs> use of time, dedicating it to spiritually uh, prosperous activities. So perhaps our listeners can give us just a couple more minutes, because I'd, I'd like to read just two passages from today's reading and ask you to comment on them. In chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, we read, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. 
write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Yes, so notice this idea of mercy presented here, how it connects with the episode a couple of weeks ago where we stressed how the Old and New Testaments go hand in hand, how the God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New Testament. And here we hear the emphasis on showing mercy. Furthermore, you have this notion to write mercy and truth, as it says, on the tablet of your heart. And this is a classic scriptural metaphor in both the Torah and the law and in the prophets. We hear about the circumcision of the heart, and that's what that concept means, that we should metaphorically etch these things in our heart. Mercy and truth should be so ingrained in us that it's literally part of the main organ that keeps us alive. It's our default position. It's how we function. Good. Thank you. And later in verses 11 and 12 of that third chapter, we read, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Yeah, again, a classic biblical metaphor, this notion that God is like a good father, and a good father sometimes must chasten his children, he must correct them. And a child, if he wishes to learn and he wishes to someday be wise, would listen to this good and loving father. And while it is sometimes painful to receive correction and chastening, primarily because it bruises our ego or hurts our pride, it nevertheless is something that needs to be done for us to grow and to learn. Just as our physical body has growing pains when we grow from being a child to an adult, so as we grow from being spiritually immature to being more spiritually mature, there will be times of pain. But we should welcome these experiences, not detest them or despise them because they're for our benefit. And ultimately, when we find ourselves in these situations, we should remember that God allows it only because he delights in his children. We are made, as the beginning of the Torah tells us in the book of Genesis, we're made in God's image. And therefore, God delights in us. He wants us to present him, the unseen God. He wants us to present him to our fellow human beings and to all creation. But we can only do that once we are instructed by him and then chastened and corrected by him when we naturally fall short so that as we mature, we may better present him to creation and he may, as it says here, delight in us. Thank you, Father. In today's reading, we focused on the Old Testament, from which the Church appoints the readings during the period of Great Lent. Father Aaron explained that the Old Testament contains three different series of writings. The first is the Torah, which means instruction or teaching, and contains the first five books of the Bible as well as the Mosaic Law. The next series of books are the Prophets, which is not the case in the Christian Bible, which places the Prophets at the end of the Old Testament so that the prophecy of the Messiah is then followed by his birth and life in the New Testament. And in the third section, we have the Ketuvim, or the writings. The most prominent in this series are the poetic books that are often referred to as the wisdom literature, which contains the Psalms, the Proverbs, and the Book of Job. One of the important aspects of the Proverbs is that we see that true wisdom is not found in the pursuit of human philosophy, nor the human ego, but through the pursuit of God's Torah, the pursuit of God's instruction. For the Proverbs contend that we do not obtain wisdom, for true wisdom is received from God through the biblical teaching. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode.
Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God. O our God. 